It's time for Dishing Up Nutrition with licensed nutritionist Darlene Kavist. Each week, Darlene explains the connection between what you eat and how you feel. Stay tuned to hear practical, real-life solutions for healthier living through good nutrition. Dishing Up Nutrition is brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness. Slow down, you move too fast. You got to make the morning last. Just kicking down the cobblestones. Looking for fun and feeling Good morning. Welcome to Dishing Up Nutrition. This show is brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness. We are a company that provides life-changing nutrition information with one-on-one counseling and classes. My name is Kara Carper. I'm a licensed nutritionist and certified nutrition specialist. And today I'm excited to be here with Brenna Thompson, who is a licensed and registered dietitian. Now, if you're a new listener, a little information about our company is that we have six offices in the St. Paul and Minneapolis, Minnesota areas. And I see clients at the Wyzetta office. Brenna sees clients at North Oaks and Maple Grove. And Brenna, it's great to be here with you again today. It's been a little while since we've done a show together. It has been a little while. It's nice to be on with you. We've had fun chatting this morning. Yeah. Yeah, so this is going to be a really important show for anyone struggling with getting into the process of maybe starting a new habit or trying to stick with a new habit. And that is our topic for the for today, how changes become habits. How many, I mean, just think, how many times have you tried to make a change like exercising more, getting more sleep, or eating more vegetables? That's a big one. <laughs> eating is. more vegetables. That's a big one for me even. <laughs> <laughs> so you do well for a couple of weeks, maybe a couple of days. And then everything just kind of goes back to the old Mm -hmm. ways. You know, I think just about everyone can relate to that. And we're going to talk about the most common reasons that habits are often difficult to change. I think once our listeners realize why this is happening, it's going to be easier for them to overcome some of these roadblocks. Absolutely. And Car and I will be sharing examples of nutritional weight and wellness clients and class members who have successfully made long-term changes in their nutrition. We'll also talk a little bit about some personal struggles and successes with creating new habits around nutrition more specifically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, habits is a huge topic. And just based on our profession, we will we'll focus on nutrition today. <laughs> right. But Uh, As we will talk about, I mean, habits can be around anything in our life, really. Mm -hmm. Right. And nutrition is just happens to be a really important one. (laughs) So Gretchen Rubin will be referring to her uh, during this show. She's the author of Better Than Before. And actually, she was a guest on our show Dishing Up Nutrition here in July. And she has found that one of the top areas that people want to make changes in is the area of nutrition. Uh, Typically, they want to eat and drink more healthily is what the surveys were showing. Yes. And depending upon who you ask, that could mean a lot of different things. (laughs) But if you missed that show, it is available on our website, weightandwellness.com under radio shows. And then just go to the listen to previous shows and you should be able to find that one. You could also, I think we have a search bar on the website. And if you just type in Mm -hmm. Gretchen Rubin. Oh, sure. I have a feeling it'll pop up there, too. Yeah, that's probably the easiest way. You know, since examples can be really powerful when our listeners are, you know, wanting to get an idea of what we're talking about, I want to share a story right away about how just one change in nutrition turned into a habit for a client of mine. So my client is a stay-at-home mom to a two-year-old, and she was really struggling with fatigue. 
Her moods were going up and down all day, and she was having episodes of anxiety. That sounds like a hard way to get through the day, especially caring for a two-year-old. I don't have one yet, (laughs) but I can only imagine. I can tell you that that is difficult. (laughs) Yeah. So what was the first change that you suggested she try? Well, when I found out that she had been skipping breakfast and she was just getting up and drinking coffee throughout the morning, I just told her to make a smoothie the night before. And then when she got up in the morning, I said, just drink your smoothie within an hour of waking. So now she before bed, she makes a smoothie that has whey protein powder, fruit, plain yogurt and full fat canned coconut milk. And so it's ready for her to drink when she gets up. She doesn't have to worry about putting anything together. And, you know, just a heads up to our listeners, this recipe is on our website, weightandwellness.com. It's under the recipes tab. I think it's under or, the breakfast. Oh. Yeah, it's they go under the recipes okay. and it's the breakfast option. The breakfast option? Okay, yes. thank you. But that one simple change of just eating breakfast right away in the morning just set up her entire day better. Mm-hmm. And I have a client who's actually going to be starting this very same habit. Hopefully this coming oh, week. Oh, great. She's 13 and in the habit of skipping breakfast. Okay. And so her mom has already said, I'm going to help you by making smoothies with you the night before. And they're both mm-hmm. going to do it to kind of support each other so that they have a good breakfast. Mm-hmm. That's excellent. I mean, that really can set the stage for your day. Yes, exactly. And you were telling me that before the show that this one change of eating breakfast in the morning gave her enough energy so that then she was eventually able to focus on grocery shopping and preparing other healthy mm-hmm. meals throughout exactly. the day. So within a month of our first meeting, she was having a smoothie every morning for breakfast. And then eventually she was preparing herself uh, something like a salad with chicken and avocado and, and some full fat dressing would be a lunch example. Eating frequently throughout the day with enough protein, healthy fat and vegetables prevented her from having those blood sugar crashes. And that's really what had been leading to the fatigue, mood swings, and anxiety. And she just felt so much better from having that breakfast straight away in the morning and then eating frequently throughout the day. So that's what kept her motivated to continue the new habits is because she was feeling so much better. Exactly. And I think both you and I have experienced that when we do eat frequently during the day, you know, every three or four hours, it's like that can really make a big impact on energy Mm -hmm. and fatigue. But I know for both of us, anxiety as well is a big one. Right, When your blood sugar drops from not eating or eating the wrong things, um, yeah, anxiety can really be a problem. I call it the crazy brain (laughs) where everything's just running through there. Now, in The Power of Habit, author Charles Duhigg refers to changing one main habit as a keystone habit. So keystone habits tend to set in motion many other good habits. And your client's keystone habit was that she started eating breakfast and this led to more energy and better moods so that then she could eat other healthy Mm -hmm. meals throughout the day. And one new healthy habit will often lead to other healthy habits. Another example of a keystone habit would be starting an exercise program. When people are exercising, they tend to start eating better. Maybe they include more vegetables and fruit and they drink more water. So it's it's great that one healthy habit just kind of morphs into another naturally. Exactly. And the power of habit also says that when it comes to habits, whether they are good or bad, 40% of what we do on a daily basis is not because of decisions we are making, but because of our habits. 
Habits are simply actions we take over and over until eventually we don't even notice Mm -hmm. we are doing them. It's kind of like being on autopilot. And so, Bren, I have a kind of a personal question for you. Okay. (laughs) Do you brush your teeth every morning? I do brush my teeth every morning. (laughs) Do you remember the first time you ever brushed your teeth? No, I do not. Okay. Well, you were probably, I don't know, I'm guessing... Like one or, one two, or two, somewhere yeah, in there. So that makes sense that you wouldn't remember. But at one point in your life, teeth brushing was not a habit for you. You know, your mom or dad brushed your teeth until you could do it for yourself. There's probably some coaxing in the beginning. Probably. There usually is with kids. But at some point, that new change became so normal to you that you would feel strange if you weren't brushing your teeth in the morning. And so that's really the definition of it, a habit. It, it stops being a decision. Mm-hmm. And it just becomes an action that you do automatically. Right. And I thought it was really funny before the show, Cara and I were talking about our teeth brushing habits. <laughs> and we're both, we both have the electric toothbrushes, but I like to use mine at night and use a regular one in the morning. And I use an electric one in the morning and a regular one at night. Yeah. So, but we have to do it that way. Right. Because I that's said our I can't habit. do it another way. No. And nope. but you can't do it another way. I can't do it another way. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Now, exactly. I don't think I could leave the house in the morning if I didn't brush my teeth or mm-hmm. I couldn't go to bed at night without mm-hmm. brushing my teeth. So it's just, it's finding what habits work for you mm-hmm. and how they will play into your life. So fortunately, the teeth brushing, that's a healthy habit. But as we know, habits can either work for or against us. So let's talk about a common nutritional habit that works against us. As a licensed dietitian, I see one very common habit when meeting with clients on a daily basis. And it's the habit of eating low fat and low calorie foods when they are trying to lose weight. That may come as a shock to some listeners that we're saying that low fat and low calorie dieting is not the solution for weight loss. Can you, do we have time to explain why that's not? I think we should uh, hold on to this idea and do it when we come back from break. I think that's a great idea. So we are going to go to our first break. It's Minnesota State Fair time. And how many of you are listening to our show right now as you head to the fairgrounds? Or I suppose you could actually be there. I think they open at six. (laughs) Yes, they do. So if so, have you thought about what you're going to eat while you're there today? You know, thinking about what you're going to eat in a social situation and an environment like the state fair in advance means you're more likely to make good choices. Yes, you heard me right. You can make good food choices at the fair, especially if you have ideas ahead of time. So when we come back, Brenna and I will share some of our favorite state fair foods that won't leave you feeling uncomfortably full. You're listening to Dishing Up Nutrition, and if you have a question or comment today, please call the studio at 651-641-1071. Welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition, brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness. I'm Brenna Thompson, licensed and registered dietitian, and I'm here today with Kara Harper, licensed nutritionist. Our topic today is on habits, and we are talking about how nutrition changes turn into habits. Now, many Minnesotans are headed out to the great Minnesota get-together, otherwise known as the Minnesota State Fair today, and we know that there can be some definite habits built into going to the fair, particularly some food habits, and Car and I would like to share some of our favorite state fair foods. Now, we're not giving 
necessarily the vendor names, but these are some general ideas that you can usually find every year. So I know I like to have um, one of my favorites that I found last year, I guess, because I think it was the first year they had it was actually salmon on a stick. And it was just a grilled piece of salmon. And I think it came with um, some kind of like a little like cream cheese or some kind of a little dip that came with it. And it was so good. Sounds really good. It was delicious. I didn't know about that one. Yes. I didn't go last year. Maybe that's why. That's probably why. (laughs) And I, you know, like you, Brenna, I like to find my protein because that's what satisfies me the most. So finding a protein that isn't breaded or deep fried can be a little challenging, but I will typically get a grilled pork chop or a grilled chicken or a bratwurst on a stick. Another option I've had in past years is one of those really big turkey legs. Um, Usually I end up splitting it with my husband. Right, because they're they're so huge. Pretty big. And then if you pass by the corn on the cob on a stick and then they put it in butter. Real butter. That's pretty fantastic. And that works well as a carbohydrate and a fat. So, you know, that really would fill me up. Um, Absolutely. Although I was on the State Fair website last night and I saw that there are some vendors selling cherries dipped in chocolate. Oh, yum. And there was another one with berries and whipping cream. You can also get fruit on a stick. Oh, yeah, that's a great idea. Um, You know, and for people who have celiac disease or gluten sensitivities, if you go onto the Minnesota State Fair website, they and I think if you just Google gluten, in their search bar, then you can come up with a nice list that the Minnesota Celiacs Foundation has put together. Mm-hmm. And so you can go to the state Wonderful. fair and eat some real food. And I would probably always just ask the vendors too. I Abs- mean, you can yes. go by the list, but then talk to the vendor and just make sure. Yeah. Keep yourself just safe. Just double check. Yeah. So now we did have a caller during break and she was wondering about how to tell when you are, you know, like kind of that full versus hungry mm-hmm. versus maybe being overstuffed. Mm-hmm. And Car and I were kind of discussing that some people do have a hard time knowing when they're actually full versus maybe feeling overfull. Mm-hmm. And then other people maybe have a hard time knowing when they're actually hungry. Like they don't get that stomach growling, kind of gurgly, like, Those oh, I need to go Regular eat. type or typical hunger cues. Yeah. So... I think some of our suggestions with that would be that if you are somebody who doesn't get that typical gurgly, hungry feeling, you might have to go by other symptoms, such as feeling really tired, maybe kind of having that like lack of focus or um, again, I call it the crazy brain. Anxiety. <laughs> the anxiety. Is a big one. Yeah. Low moods. Those low moods. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe a little hangry. So just a little more irritable. Hungry, angry. Yes. And then Cara had some good suggestions on telling between when you're kind of full versus over full. So. Right. I mean, I, it's hard to know, you know, the, the size of the person and the activity level, of course, makes a difference on portions. But typically for women, you know, we say four to five ounces of protein for a meal portion. Um, you know, around a half of a cup of starch, like a potato or rice. And then kind of unlimited vegetable, green type vegetables with about a tablespoon of fat, meaning like an olive oil or a butter. So if someone is eating like that, um, an adult female, and I would say kind of stop with that portion and then wait 20 minutes. And if you still are having like some hunger cues, you know, maybe go back for a little bit more protein and veg or. (laughs) Yeah. 
So it's really it's really individual. It is very individual. Yeah. But that sounds like a question that if our listener is really struggling with that, that we'd recommend coming in for a consult uh, so that we can kind of figure mm-hmm. out maybe what's going on there with that. But so before break, we were talking about um, a, a habit, a nutritional habit that people get caught up in. That's not a healthy one. And it's that eating low, trying to eat low fat, low calorie for weight loss. So I think, Brenna, you were going to talk a little bit more about why. Why this doesn't work. So low fat and low calorie eating is not a satisfying way to eat. People become hungry and they have intense sugar and carbohydrate cravings. And these cravings can become uncontrollable and many will end up overeating or binge eating on things like chips, crackers, bread, cookies, and other really high sugar or high carbohydrate foods. And then this high sugar, high carb food gets stored in the body Mm -hmm. as body fat. So what you're saying is that low calorie eating for weight loss usually backfires. It does. Another reason this the low calorie habit is not healthy is because we really need healthy fats. Our body needs butter, olive oil, coconut oil, avocados, nuts, and other full fat foods. We need those to keep us full, support our hormones and our brains. And we need a protein as well. We need eggs, meat, chicken, and fish to increase our metabolism and muscle. So when people are focusing on low fat and low calorie, they're usually missing those two really important components. Yes, that fat and that protein. Mm -hmm. So here's the thing about changing bad habits. Most people need two things in order to successfully make a new healthy habit stick. They first need the knowledge. And if someone didn't know that low-calorie diets were not the way to lose weight, then they would not have the motivation to change and create a new habit of eating full-fat foods. So the second thing that people need when making a new nutrition habit is a reason to change. So I'd like all of you listeners to just think about this for a second. If If your goal is weight loss, if that's one of your goals, what is the reason that you want to lose weight? Some people will give an answer that... You know, they want to start wearing clothes in their closet that have been a little bit snug for too long. Yes. (laughs) Or others want to lose weight so that their blood sugars or their blood pressure or their cholesterol numbers will go down. Maybe your reason for wanting to lose weight is so that you won't feel sluggish when you get home from work and you'll have more energy to enjoy time with your partner and kids. Or you might want to lose some weight and improve your fitness so that you'll have a faster time when you run that 5K or that 10K race. Everybody has a specific reason when it comes to their goals. The reason has to be important to you. Otherwise, it will be difficult for those changes to stick and become a habit. And that's what I find with our weight loss clients is that if they don't have a reason to lose the weight, Mm -hmm. they just maybe have been told you should lose weight or they just think they should lose weight. They have a hard time sticking with habits. Yeah, it really has to be a personal goal that means something to them. Yes. Mm -hmm. So think of your goal and then the main reason for wanting to make that change. I'm working with a client right now in Washington State, and about every three weeks we have phone consultations. Her goals, originally she made an appointment because she wanted to get rid of her chronic constipation and stop taking Miralax. She wanted to get her sugar cravings under control and lose some weight. And she's had huge improvements with her health. She now is going, has a bowel movement every day and is almost completely off the Miralex. Awesome. Her sugar cravings are almost gone. And I just talked to her last week and she shared, what she shared is that having good digestion, 
and getting rid of the sugar cravings are are really her bigger motivators to stay on this current eating plan. And she just feels like weight loss is no longer a priority. That's amazing. So because weight loss is no longer a priority for her, she's better off continuing to focus on what is what is important to her, which mm-hmm. is going to the bathroom every day and not having cravings. Exactly. So, Brennett, do you think... Is it too uh, early to go to we break? We should probably just go to break now. Okay. And we'll cover other things when we get back. Sounds good. Well, our show today, if you are just tuning in, it's on changing nutrition habits. And I refer to Gretchen Rubin as our habit expert. She states that to create new habits, most people need to know the whys behind the recommendation. And they also need accountability. If you want to create new eating habits, we have the perfect solution for you. We'll be offering several nutrition for weight loss programs or series in September, and you will meet once a week for 12 weeks with like-minded people. So there's your accountability. And our wonderful nutrition educators will give you the knowledge you need to make lasting changes. When we come back, Brenna will talk more about these classes when, and just give us a call today if you have any questions, 651-641-1071. Welcome back. You're listening to Dishing Up Nutrition, brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness. I'm Brenna Thompson, licensed dietitian, and here with Cara Carpa. Cara Carper. That's a mouthful. It is a mouthful. (laughs) And she is a licensed nutritionist. Today's topic is how changes become habits. If you've tried to create new nutrition habits and keep going back to your old ways, well, it's time to try a different approach. People who sign up for our Nutrition for Weight Loss programs say that they have better energy, improved moods, fewer aches and pains, better sleep, and sustained weight loss. Now, that's a big one. Not just losing the weight, Mm -hmm. but maintaining the weight loss. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So classes will be held at all six of our Minnesota offices in St. Paul, Wyzetta, Maple Grove, North Oaks, Lakeville, and Mendota Heights. You can get more information and sign up by going online to weightandwellness.com or by calling our office at 651-699-3438. So kind of getting back into our topic. Oh, wait, we have a caller. Oh, awesome. Yes. So good morning, Miss Laurel. Are you on the line? Yes, I am. Thank you for taking my call. Absolutely. What can we help you with? I had a question about um, eating after 9 p.m. I've been eating the nutritional weight and wellness way, um, and it's been really good. And then I feel like I just have this bad habit that's still lingering. I put the kids to bed. I sit down on the couch, and then it's like there's a magnetic force field around all carbs and I just didn't know what advice you had for changing that habit. It's not that I'm even always that hungry, it's just more of a years and years of habit. Well, I would, you know, first I would say make sure that at supper you're having some starchy carbohydrate like the sweet potato or some rice or something um, to kind of help with that. I'd also look at, you know, if it's just a really hard habit to break, making just a better choice. So what are you, do you find that you're going for like chips or cereal or popcorn at that time? Yeah, it's definitely usually more of the carbohydrates, the higher processed carbohydrates. We don't even have that much in our house. I just feel like, but if it's there, I'll find it. Of of course. So could you this week, instead of having those kinds of things, just swap it out for maybe like an apple and peanut butter or 
like some celery and cream cheese or berries and cream. So you still get to have that little snack, but just making a better choice. Mm -hmm. Sure. That sounds like a good idea. Yeah. Does that help you out then? Yes. Thank you so much. Thanks You're for welcome. Your call. Yeah. Great question. That's so funny. I think we actually are going to talk about that. I think we are today. too. Yes. I mean, we don't have to now, but. <laughs> Um, so I had shared about, you know, my client who her priority was keeping good digestion and mm-hmm. getting rid of sugar cravings. It's just important to know what your priority is yes. when creating new habits. Otherwise, it's going to be hard to stick with it. And I know, Brenna, you have a client who had also struggled with health issues. And when she first made an appointment for a consultation with you at Nutritional Weight and Wellness, she was dealing with restless leg syndrome, chronic asthma, and heartburn that she'd been treating with omeprazole for over 15 years. And the reason I say that time frame is because that medication is actually meant to be used short term, not for years and years at a time, because it's got some pretty serious side effects. It does. and But that's what we see are these people who are on these acid blockers for years mm-hmm. and they just they don't know that we're really not supposed to be on them that long. So Gail came to see me in January with all of those health issues. I put together a meal plan for Gail that was gluten-free, and she pretty much just eliminated sugar all by herself. And this meant that she had to make some big changes that included bringing her own portable snacks to work. To make sure that she increased her vegetables, she started bringing frozen veggies to work and cooking them in the microwave. So Gail's changes of bringing her own healthy snacks, um, nitrate-free deli meat, fruit and nuts to work and then bringing frozen broccoli, for example, and heating up, heating it up in the microwave for lunch. That allowed her to have enough food choices that were gluten free and sugar free. And her reason for being gluten free and sugar free and increasing veggies is now she can manage her restless leg manage her asthma and her chronic heartburn without medication. So sounds like she's really had a lot of relief and I'm sure she wants to continue eating this way. Oh, she does. She says like, this is just, this is easy. And she just, she kind of keeps going with it because that, that new habit is, you know, it's preventing her from feeling crummy. Mm -hmm. So that was her reason to change. And then when she was given the knowledge that she needed, she was really able to put this eating plan into place. And so she did have a lot of reasons to make these changes. You gave her the information. You also are giving her the support. So that's what helped all of her changes turn into these almost automatic habits. So she at this point, if she started in January, she probably doesn't have to be thinking so much about them every day. No, it becomes much more kind of that autopilot of, yeah. you know, making sure that when she's at the grocery store, she just gets what she needs mm-hmm. and leaves the other stuff behind. She probably has a whole system at home for packing up her she food does. for work. And Brenna, how long do you think it takes to make a new change into an automatic habit? Well, we always hear that the timeline that it takes is 21 days to create a new habit. But when researchers at the University College London examined how long people took to adopt a daily habit, such as drinking more water or starting a new exercise program, they found that on average, a new habit took 66 days Hmm. to form. So over two months. Okay. You know, and I've seen some people just jump into changes Almost overnight. So I suppose it really just depends on personality. It really does. Yeah. And Gretchen Rubin discusses some common personality types that people typically fall into. It's important to know yourself because it will be easier to figure out how you will best create new habits. 
So let's start by talking about abstainers versus moderators. Brenna, can you please give some examples of who would need to abstain from a food versus a moderator? moderator. Yeah. Yeah. So some people have certain brain chemistries where they just cannot stop with one. A classic example is baking a pan of brownies and eating one brownie, which leads you to eat a row of brownies, which leads to eating half or the entire pan of brownies. So if any listeners can relate to this example, that's a sign of needing to just avoid the trigger food. I know for me, ice cream. Okay, so ice, you ha- you need to be an abstainer when it comes to ice cream. I am an ice cream abstainer. Okay. It doesn't come into the house if I want it. You know, we have to go out for it. Okay, so well, it's good. I think for people to hear that that even you and I have these these foods things that we can't bring into the house. Yep. So it's really that pattern of not being able to stop with one, whether it's one a half cup, <laughs> one serving of ice cream, or one brownie, one cookie, one piece of bread. Um, one soda, glass of wine, coffee, you know, the list goes on. If you can't stop at one, that just what that tells us is that you need to abstain. That moderation is usually it's just too tempting for mm-hmm. that type of brain chemistry. Yes. And some people try to fight this because we always hear the phrase everything in moderation is OK. But for someone who cannot stop with one, moderation mm-hmm. is not OK. And what I hear from clients when they realize this is that it's very freeing. Right. Because I think, you know, society, it's it's all about, oh, do you just have a little bit? Just have a little bit. You should be able you should be able to have just a little bit. And some people can't. And that's okay. Yeah. You have to know your own biochemistry. We know the 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 chemical reasons behind needing to be an abstainer. I mean, the foods that people can't stop eating, like cookies, bread, crackers. What happens is they give a temporary rush of feel good chemicals like neurotransmitters to the brain. But then there's going to be a crash in blood sugar and a crash in those good chemicals. And so then the person feels crummy. Yeah. And that just leaves them wanting more because they want to feel good again. Exactly. And that's why many of our clients do so much better when they just get the cookies out of the house or stop the soda altogether instead of trying to wean themselves off slowly. Now, on the flip side, a moderator could go to a birthday party and just say, put a piece of birthday cake on their plate and say, you know, I'm just going to have a couple bites. Mm -hmm. And they might even leave the rest of the cake on the plate. That's just a different kind of brain chemistry. And I know you and I were talking how we're both moderators when it comes to chocolate. Yes. So maybe not necessarily a moderator (laughs) with my ice cream, but chocolate for some reason these days. I can moderate. And it's one of those where as long as I have a little bit in the house or even if it's not in the house, but I just tell myself I could have it if I wanted it, then I don't actually want to eat it Mm -hmm. or (laughs) which is kind of funny. But if I tell myself, no, I can't have it, then I want to eat lots of it. (laughs) So moderators seem to do better when they give themselves permission or they give themselves the option to have a certain food or beverage in the house and to eat or drink it in moderation. Mm -hmm. And you really do have to be honest with yourself when it comes to knowing whether you need to abstain from something or if you can have just a little. I have a client who wants to lose weight and what we did is we sat down and made a list of foods together that she really knows she can't eat even in small quantities, because it sets her cravings off to eat more and more and she can't stop. So these are kind of just random foods. But for her, it was peanut butter 
and white potatoes. There you go. Any form of white potatoes. She just could not control her portions of peanut butter or white potatoes. This is interesting, though. She didn't have a problem with overdoing almond butter or sweet potatoes. So we said, let's keep those in your meal plan. Perfect. So she still gets to have these great foods in there. Yeah. Uh, and probably feels like she has a little more self-control around that and with, and you know just feels better about her eating plan. Mm-hmm. Now it is time to go to break. Okay. Our, our last break for the day. So not only is it Minnesota State Fair time, but it's back to school time for most kids. On August 26th, so just three days ago, an article was posted to our Nutritional Weight and Wellness Facebook page with some ideas for packing school lunches. It's a great article. One of our licensed nutritionists named Marcy, who's also a mom to twins, she wrote the article. You can read it on our Nutritional Weight and Wellness Facebook page, or you can find the article on our website, weightandwellness.com. Just click on resources and then click on blog. And we'll be right back after break. We're back, and you are listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. I'm Brenna Thompson here with Cara Carper. We've been discussing habit-changing strategies when it comes to nutrition. The things we do on a daily basis become patterns, and those patterns remain inside our brains. Things like waking up in the morning and turning on the pot of coffee, or getting home from work and opening up a beer and a bag of chips. Over time, these become habits and we don't even think about them. That is why creating new habits can feel Mm -hmm. so awkward at first. So if someone is used to coming home from work and immediately opening up a bag of chips, having a beer or maybe a glass of wine, doing anything other than those things is not going to feel normal. But this is a good thing. The brain doesn't know the difference whether or not a habit is good or bad. So if you make a decision that you want to replace your after work glass of wine with something else, like a healthy snack, apple and peanut butter, maybe a mineral water. At first, it's going to feel like something is wrong and probably like something is missing. Right. But eventually, that new habit will create a pattern in the brain, just like the old pattern did. Then it will be the new normal and having a healthy snack and mineral water will be, you know, your replacement for the beer or wine and chips. And it doesn't happen overnight. It takes a while to establish those new patterns in the brain. And you are telling me the best analogy. I was wondering if you could share that with our (laughs) listeners of how new nutrition habits can feel so awkward. Okay, so I kind of think of old habits as being like a freeway or a highway and you're driving in your Maserati or your Porsche and you're just like going down the freeway clear and easy, like super fast, super smooth, super smooth. Creating a new habit is like going back to horse and buggy on a cobblestone road. (laughs) And as one of my clients said, she's like, I am in the horse and buggy with a broken wheel. (laughs) So she's having a little bit of a bumpy ride. She's having a bumpy ride. But the thing is, she's continuing to move forward. Mm -hmm. It's not like she's at a dead stop. It's not like she's not making progress. She is. It's just it's a change and it's uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. I think that's so important for people to know. It will be uncomfortable. Right. And that is completely normal until it becomes a habit. A habit. Mm -hmm. Now, before break, we were kind of talking about whether we need to be moderators or abstainers. And you mentioned that you had a client who she knows that she needs to abstain from peanut butter and white potatoes. However, she's fine with almond butter and sweet potatoes. Right. Mm -hmm. Now, another personality type that affects how habits are created is whether someone wants to start with baby steps or just jump in 100 percent. 
So being a licensed nutritionist, I see that my clients are all different. Some people find it overwhelming to make several changes all at once with their eating, and they will be more successful if they take baby steps. So perhaps someone, a client might be eating a high sugar breakfast cereal. Maybe instead of, you know, overhauling everything, their first step could be to switch to a breakfast of eggs cooked in butter, maybe grab a piece of fruit, and that could be their new breakfast. And, you know, I'd probably have them do that for a month. Then we would pick a second goal, which could be to pack lunch and bring it to work instead of going through the drive through Right. Others prefer to jump in, especially people who want to see dramatic results quickly, and they get frustrated if they aren't seeing results right away. They do better with big changes. My client, Doug, took our Nutrition for Weight Loss series and embraced the program from day one. He needed to buy new clothes this past summer because the weight has literally just fallen off of him. I call him the amazing shrinking man. Um, But the thing is, he can get up and down off the floor without knee pain and without needing assistance, something he couldn't do for years. And he stopped taking pain medication for his joint pain. He stopped taking that medication one week after starting Nutrition for Weight Loss. amazing. He was taking NSAIDs, right? Like ibuprofen or something? Okay. Yeah. So can you talk about what changes Doug made that helped him to lose weight and get rid of his joint pain and get off of his anti-inflammatory medication? So Doug stopped eating foods with processed carbs, without dairy, and without sugar because he also struggles with really bad asthma. Oh, okay. So we really wanted to cut the dairy out of there. And we know that those things will cause joint pain and inflammation, processed carbs, dairy, sugar, it's inflammation. Mm -hmm. So by giving up these foods like bread, cheese, and desserts, his body started to naturally shed the weight. And you mentioned that he's meeting with you monthly to keep himself on track. And I think this is very important for most people is having someone to be accountable to. Research has shown that the majority of the population will have better success with creating new habits when they're held accountable. So, you know, that could mean meeting with a nutritionist, taking a nutrition class, you know, also just finding like-minded people in your life, family or friends, getting together and cooking and doing things revolved around healthy eating. Right. And I find that a lot of our clients who take the nutrition for weight loss class together as a family do amazing. Like it might be like a mom and a daughter and an aunt or a sister or something, but they do great. And we have quite a few clients that are in Overeaters Anonymous who also have sponsors that help hold them accountable. Mm -hmm. And this seems to really work for people. There are a lot of other strategies that will help with successfully creating a new habit. And over and over, I just just keeps coming up that monitoring food intake is important. So that just means keeping track of what you eat. There are a lot of tools out there. Some people like to write in food journals or notebooks. Other people are using apps on their iPhones to track what they're eating. And I was just reading Dr. Daniel Amen's book. It's called Change Your Brain to Change Your Body. And he states that one of the biggest reasons why people don't succeed at eating healthier and losing weight is because they don't track their food intake. And Dr. Amen says that writing down everything that goes into your body makes you conscious, aware, and more likely to make a better choice. Also, research shows that keeping a food journal doubles weight loss in just 10 weeks. That is pretty powerful. That is very powerful. <laughs> in our Nutrition for Weight Loss series, we actually have this system. We have our class members track their food in a food journal. And, you know, quite honestly, some are pretty resistant to doing it. Mm-hmm. 
And, you know, I can't say it works for 100 percent of the people, but it helps. Everyone that has done it has benefited from it. Right. So now I want to talk about how replacing one unhealthy habit for a healthy habit can be helpful. It seems that beverages are a difficult one for people. So we'll go over soda, alcohol and coffee. So I have a longtime client who has struggled with her weight and she's always struggled with drinking diet soda, diet Coke as well for many, many years. And she's tried to stop. It has has been unable to stop. We know that the diet Coke has caused her body some insulin resistance and that's making it harder for her to lose weight. So during our last appointment, we spent a good part of it discussing what she was going to do for the replacement. And we just came up with a few ideas like in the morning, she does have to let she likes to have a little caffeine. Right. So she's going to try having just a cup of coffee with heavy whipping cream and a flavored liquid stevia as a little sweetener. Sounds great. Then throughout the day, she will add she really likes grapefruit essential oil and she's going to put that in her water bottles. And at night, she's going to be drinking LaCroix sparkling water in different flavors. Oh, that sounds great. Now, for myself, my husband, and my dad, we have all changed our coffee habits because too much coffee was affecting all of us negatively in different ways. Drinking full-strength coffee was causing Ryan stress, anxiety, and poor adrenal and thyroid function. So he switched to decaf or half-calf coffee, and that has really helped. Now, coffee doesn't sit well on my stomach, and it tends to give me sinus headaches, especially if I put cream in it, unfortunately. But I really enjoy drinking it, so I allow myself a treat of coffee just on Friday mornings, just kind of my end of the week, like, yay, it's Friday. (laughs) Can have a little coffee. Other days, I tend to drink green or black tea or dandy blend, and that's um, that's kind of my replacement there. Mm -hmm. My dad this year was diagnosed with his blood pressure kind of creeping up. So his doctor told him to decrease the amount of coffee that he was drinking. And he's done that. He's also switched again to half-calf or decaf coffee. Wonderful. So I guess what we've just discussed there was the replacement strategy. Yes. And I think that's very important. Instead of, you know, people feel very restricted if they just completely give something up, like when Laurel called in mm-hmm. about eating at night, yep. you suggested that she replace it with a healthier, healthier option. So have a great weekend, everybody, and have a wonderful time at the State Fair. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. If you enjoy this podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. The content and opinions expressed are those of the hosts or presenters. They are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. Statements made with respect to products have not been evaluated by the FDA.